Come on. Five hundred episodes in. Thank you for listening to the show. If you find value in it, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing. Thank you. Welcome to the 500th episode of the Money Savage Podcast. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Caleb Silver. Caleb, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. The 500th episode. How did how did we get to 500, and how did we get so honored to be on the 500th? You know what? I, I don't know how we got here, but uh, I'm extremely grateful that, that you... Uh, agreed to, to be joining us. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Caleb is a business news journalist. He is Investopedia's editor-in-chief. He began his career with Bloomberg, went on to spend 10 years running CNN's business news department. He's a frequent contributor on NBC, MSNBC, ABC Radio, Marketplace Radio, and Cheddar TV. He's the winner of a Peabody, an EPPY, S-A-B-E-W's Best in Business, and two Emmy nominations. I'm excited to have you on. Caleb, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thanks for having me again. And I am a business news journalist, um, and I have been at this game since the late 90s. As you mentioned, I started my career at Bloomberg TV, but I started really as an environmental educational video producer, producing uh, documentaries, campaign footage with environmental groups, traveling around Central and South America doing documentaries and, and campaigns. Uh, when I got back to the States after my journeys, the internet bubble was popping. Um, I wanted to go to journalism school to improve my craft. Went to NYU's Carter Institute of Journalism, uh, and it was, as I said, the internet bubble, and Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg News was hiring. I got a job with them after doing some interning uh, and really took off on a career I never imagined, given that I had really am a restaurant guy. I did 12 years in the restaurant business and then became huh. a documentary uh, video and film producer. So I'm an accidental business journalist and that led me to CNN uh, and ultimately to Investopedia, which was a resource I had used throughout my business news career. Uh, when I saw that they were hiring four years ago, I knew that uh, I could learn a lot and make a difference. And here we are four years later going strong. And here we are. So it's been a been an, an awesome career thus far. I'd just love to get your take on Obviously, we, we live in a very dynamic time with social media sort of exploding on the scene over the past 10 years and just everything else that's going on. What you what your thoughts on the current state of journalism are? Well, journalism is more important than ever, and it's more challenged than it's ever been. So what do I mean by that? Journalism jobs are shrinking. Newsrooms are getting smaller. I think I heard a stat recently that the amount of newsroom jobs has been cut by two-thirds in the last 10 years, and the amount of communications jobs has gone up by two-thirds. So the amount of spin to news um, has shifted, uh, and, and not in a great way for journalists, which just makes our job even harder. That said, the role of journalism, I think, is more important now than it's ever been. Um, obviously, we need it in all areas of our society. Business news is where I hang my hat. But if you look at political journalism, if you look at civic journalism, if you look at environmental journalism, um, these are the most important topics right now we're facing and the need for dependable news and believe journalism you can believe in that that's based on facts that actually educates people and, and engenders smart conversations is more important than it's ever been. But it's harder than ever because, you know, we're also competing with the fact that social media makes everybody a broadcaster. Um, and that facts matter, but fewer and fewer people are interested in those facts. You know, that's, yeah, I, I, wow. That's that journalism's 
been cut by two thirds, but communication jobs are up by two thirds. And do, do you think that, that it's, it's, it's a matter of that our, our, our attention spans have, have, have gotten much shorter or is that just what, what big companies perceive to be the case? Uh, I think, you know, it's easy to make the excuse that our that our attention spans have gotten smaller, and you could argue that they are. But we're only, you know, we're competing with all the media that we decide to consume for our attention. So it's where we choose to put our attention that that actually matters. Uh, but there is so much more of it out there. It's everywhere we look. We live, the, you know, we live with our screens two feet from our face, sometimes closer. <laughs> if we're not looking at that screen, we're looking at our laptop. We're looking at our television. You know, we're still doing eleven hours of media consumption a day, George. 11 hours, you know, you sleep, if you're lucky, seven, eight, um, you work, you know, eight, nine, and somewhere in there, there's an, an extra 11 hours for media consumption. So we're consuming a lot of it. And I think that, you know, people easily fall into, you know, TLDR, as we say in the business, too long, didn't read or hmm. many confusing numbers, it, you know, it glazed over me. I think people are, are too quick to say that. Um, I think it's an excuse for not wanting to challenge ourselves. Uh, at the same time, we are competing with a lot more information coming our way, so I get the resistance. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that very much. What do you think that, that, that journalism's role and responsibility is in this environment? Right. Well, I've always thought, and this is something that they drill into you in J school and journalism school, and I'm glad they do. Uh, you know, the role of journalism is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. Um, that's <laughs> That's the umbrella way of saying it, but you know you could also you could also look to folks like Mahatma Gandhi, who said the true function of journalism is to educate the public mind, not to stock it with unwanted, uh, wanted and unwanted impressions. Little did he know we would have a an internet stocking our minds with unwanted impressions all the time. So, but I, I stand by that first that first uh, tenet, which is really comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comforted, challenging, holding truth to power. You know the main principles of of what we do to make sure that we have a, you know, a fair and just society, which, you know, it's a noble journey and it's a difficult one, but I, I see that as journalism's role. Journal, journalism's role is to also educate people. And in my current uh, role at, at Investopedia, we're more on the educational side than we are on breaking news or, or making news. We want to explain it to people so that they can make better choices. And we, we take the educational route there, but there's a few different routes you can take to journalism. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. So I think that, that if, if I were to really break down what I'm trying to do, it's to help people close the behavior gap between what they intellectually know to be true and then what they actually do. That being said, after what we've been talking about so far, so much information, be it correct or incorrect, out there in order to successfully close that behavior gap the the information that i intellectually think that i understand has to be accurate so that's that's really what i perceive um you y'all at investopedia to be doing is putting out good and accurate information and when we're encouraging people to pursue truth in today's environment i mean that's easier said than done oh no question about it um because we also really you know we, we become a little bit uh, complacent when it comes to the sources that we get information from, and we'll get into that in a second. But but can but let's take what you do for a second. Besides the podcast, you're a you know an advisor. You're talking to your clients all the time. You have to know what's going on in the world, macroeconomics, in the markets, uh, developments that could impact 
the way that you're allocating for people or the plans you're putting together for people. And you need to be able to explain it to them in a way that makes sense so that you can make best decisions together uh, for their financial future. That is um, uh, that is a high wire act and, and a super noble act, but you have to be able to depend on the information that you get, right? No doubt. So at Investopedia, people always say to me, and people know the brand, we've been around 20 years uh, trying to help people out. They say, every time I look up something, you know, on Google or, or another search engine like Bing, you guys are always number one or two. And I say, there's a reason for that. One, we're old, we're 20 years old, we've been doing this for a while, that helps. But we have this other very valuable thing that, that I think is core to any uh, media organization, which is trust. You know, without trust, we have nothing. We have a very big audience, but we have that audience because they trust us. So we, we try to take, um, and we do take a non-partial, non-biased look at information at financial information to help simplify the complex, to help make uh, give it give people um, the confidence they need to manage their financial life. We want to make them feel like they can understand it by decomplicating it, by explaining that to them in words that they can understand, and by showing them how relevant it could be in their life. So we have over thirty thousand articles on Investopedia, including definitions, which a lot of people know us for, but a lot of FAQs, a lot of how do I start investing, or what's the best uh, broker to start investing or, or, or questions about their taxes. These are important life decisions and questions they're making with very high intent. So the fact that we're based in education, education first, teach first, um, helps us establish that trust. And because we don't have bias, we're not pitching stocks, we're not pitching a political viewpoint one way or the other, we're just trying to tell people how it is. We've been able to build on that trust over time. And that's why People see us and know who we are. And I think that's core to any media brand if that's the game that you're going to play. Now, other media brands don't really care about that. But in the journalism and the educational space, trust is everything. Totally agree. And, I mean, it's, it's kind of it's crazy to, 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 to think that there's massive media companies that don't really care, at least it, it seems, anymore whether or not the information that they're serving is is true and and non-biased and down the middle but we we certainly know that that's no longer the case who and I, I guess that's just a byproduct of everything that's that's going on but how 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 would you counsel then if investopedia didn't exist and somebody was looking for accurate truthful information how how would you counsel them to find it yeah. It's a great question. Look, there are some other sites that are very good at educating people about their money, and you do great content. Uh, there's a lot of advisors that do great content, but in terms of straight, you know, educational and informational sources on things like money uh, and money, you know, there are two things that that are um, you know mission critical for folks: their health and their money. Mm -hmm. Right? If you think about the things that people that affect people's lives the most, those are two of the big ones, and those are two of the most challenging places online to find the most. Um, you know, unbiased information, but the, the, the brands that do it well usually end up winning. So when I, when I think about that question, I think about uh, the stuff that I learned in journalism school and, and what old, old school journalists like me called the OD, the original document. Where is the source of information coming from? Why is that source credible and relevant? Now, that could be anything from, you know, government reports, which I don't expect most, uh, you know, folks who aren't in the media to go track down. But when we put out a a jobs report number, you can track that information down to the Labor Department. Um, but look for 
other media, other publications that list their sources and annotate them like we were taught to do in grade school. You remember our big bibliographies yes. that our teachers trained us to do, right? For sure. They're bad and they're hot. And why are they hot? Because you got to know your source. You have to know where that information came from. You have to know the source of that, the time that information came out, when it was last updated. And good journalists and good journalism uh, media organizations are doing more and more of that. Also, knowing the source of the information itself. Who is the author of the article? Who is the correspondent behind the TV or video report? What are their credentials? What's their track record? And, and for stuff that isn't news, that isn't coming out extra, extra, read all about it, when was the story filed? When was it updated? By whom? For what reason? So you're looking for, for sources of inform, information if you're consuming media in places other than Investopedia and, and, and sites like ours where they're really good about that sourcing. And unfortunately, there's just not going to be an easy way and a quick way to do this, at least not not right now. Used to be we tuned into the evening news and there were three options for that, but you could probably trust that you were getting accurate information. Today, you can get on Facebook and, and get whatever information you want to, to, to back up whatever opinion you think or go to any website, whatever it might be. But in order to actually guarantee that you're getting the correct information you need to spend a little bit more time and be more intentional about it do you think that that's do you think that's a correct statement that i just made absolutely um does that mean people are going to do it i don't know uh you know it's right what is it going to take for people to to care a lot more about the source of their information or about the messages that the information they're getting uh is trying to make them think there's you know, 2.1 billion people on Facebook every day and its platforms. Now, think what you want about Facebook, but that's a lot of power over the over information. Um, Google itself has a 92% market share in, in advertising across multiple platforms, including YouTube, uh, mostly in the digital space. So right there, you have a couple of companies, uh, love them or hate them, that have a lot of control over what we're seeing in terms of information every single day. So, you, you know, you're challenged right out of the gate with, two information behemoths that have a lot of control over every every screen that we look at. Yeah, it's 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 extraordinary. And I, I've not thought a lot about not not thought a lot about what the responsibility of a YouTube or just these huge media companies and some people talk about how they're like a public utility. Some people talk about how it's a private company um, and sort of changing gears a little bit and, and going down a rabbit hole. Do you have thoughts on what the responsibility of the YouTubes of the world, the Twitters of the world are? Well, they have an ethical responsibility, but really they're beholden to their shareholders and their executives who, you know, control most of the shares and most of the voting stock. So let's not kid ourselves about what kind of companies they are. They are advertising platforms, especially in the case of Facebook. Um, it is majority owned by one key shareholder who owns most of the voting control over that stock. And his name's Mark Zuckerberg, who created a brilliant platform. Um, but that's why these, these platforms exist. They are there to return money to their shareholders. The fact that they're so big is why there are so many politicians challenging, um, their size, their mission, uh, their role in society. But, you know, they were never created, although Google's creators did say they created it with the mantra of do no evil. Mm -hmm. They were never really created to to uh, heal the world, as we say. Um, they were created to make money and return money to shareholders, and they've done so very handsomely. Do I think that they have a responsibility? Yes, I do, but it doesn't mean that they are going to take that any more seriously than than uh, than they say they already are doing. Now, Facebook has you know over 500 people on its communications team, uh, and it's got a journalism 
department that it's spun together to try to to weed out some of the the bad actors that are trying to put mixed messages in there. But at the end of the day, it's an advertising delivery platform. Yeah. And I guess it's 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 not really fair of of me or anybody else to say, well, you need to be fair and unbiased because they're just a company like everybody else, and whose business is it of 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 mine to tell a private company or rather a public company, uh, really any company, um, what to do? Because like you said, they're responsible to their to their stockholders to their shareholders. So appreciate that. Um, so with. I'm 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 hopeful that the pendulum is going to swing back a little bit, and 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 maybe we will start to value and seek out more truth as opposed to more clickbait and more desire for short top ten lists and and junk like that. But what do you see as as the future for for media and and and, and journalism? Well, despite a lot of the hand wringing that I've been doing over the last <laughs> few minutes, I'm actually pretty optimistic, right? Um, you know, the fact that we're having this conversation on a podcast that's going to reach tens of thousands of people is pretty cool. Radio via podcast is having a renaissance. There's over 800,000 podcasts out there right now, some 53 million episodes. Wow. Right? And, and radio, I love. It's like the purest medium of all. And the fact that we're able to have a smart conversation and you can reach thousands of people on your own is pretty cool. So I think that's great. I think that content is king again, which is great for content creators both in news and in journalism, but in general. Te- television is you know, still in the middle of this renaissance that happened in, over the past decade or more with The Sopranos and The Wire and the streaming platforms. There are some great content out there and more choices than ever. But more choices you know, make it more challenging for people to find the stuff that's actually going to make them smarter. Now, I'm not out there saying, you know, no matter what media you consume, you have to make sure that it's journalism and it's making you smarter. I'm not a fool. Everybody likes that their shows or their programs that, that you know that that they enjoy, and I, I get that. But you have to have balance, right? We're still watching in the United States, <clears throat> on average, over four hours of TV a day per person. Hmm. Now you may not watch four hours, and I may not watch four hours, but on average, it's four hours a day if you can believe that, right? If you add streaming video, it's more like seven hours. But as I said earlier, in total, we have 11 hours of media coming at us every single day. So there's a lot more out there. And there's a lot of good journalism coming out through through a lot of that content. It's a new age for documentaries, which is fantastic. One of my favorite forms of journalism. It's a, a great era, uh, era for podcasts, as we mentioned. Um, you know, it's it's a great time for content to be in the driver's seat. And the pendulum will swing. And the pipes and the content delivery platforms will become king again for a period of time. It goes back and forth. But right now, we're in that media consolidation, you know, the growth of streaming platforms, but that is resulting in a ton of great content being created, which is good for, for you know, readers and watchers and 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 listeners. Uh, but being making yourself smarter through that content, that's the challenge. That is the challenge right there. <laughs> I love it. Well, Caleb, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I, I think back to you know some of the most important things that I've heard in interviews that I've been able to do with with great investors and 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 top minds in the investing and business world over the years. And years ago, I was able to interview Charlie Munger. And folks who don't know Charlie Munger, Charlie Munger is Warren Buffett's partner at Berkshire Hathaway. He's about 94, 95 years old, one of the smartest people I've ever talked to, uh, super deliberate. 
And if you've ever gone to a Berkshire Hathaway meeting, Charlie's the one that kind of sits there quietly next to Warren and every once in a while pipes in with a super witty on point remark. <laughs> and he said this to me when we were asking him the same question and I never forgot it, which is I have no capacity in my life for people who aren't willing to change. Right. If you can't change, you can't change your point of view. You can't change uh, your opinion because you've just been made smarter on something then he just had no room in his life for you. And, and I'm not going to take that hard of a line, but that stuck with me because, you know, the older we get and the more we, we, we get set in our ways, the harder it is for us to consider that we might be wrong or that we might consider another point of view. But Charlie Munger's telling me, Charlie Munger telling me that you have to have the capacity for change was one of the most important things I've ever heard. And, and I want to leave that with you and your listeners. It was super important to me, and, and I hope they find some wisdom in it too. Wank, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Caleb, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest on the 500th episode. I'm so grateful. Where can people learn more about you? Well, I'm easy to find. If you just come to investopedia.com and go to About Us, you'll see me and the other editors who are listed. You can contact me through there. My email is on there. I'm available on every social media platform, um, and I try to share the good stuff. But you can find me on Twitter at, at Caleb Silver. But come to investopedia.com. We've done a lot of great things with the site over the last couple of years. And uh, we have an online video academy where you can learn investing. We have uh, reviews and ratings of, of online investing platforms and robo-advisors if you're looking to get started or, or change brokers. We have our list of the top 100 uh, financial advisors by influence. And George is on there, so you can go check out George's profile. And you can just come learn anything you want in Investopedia, and we welcome you, and we welcome your comments. So if you see anything that you'd like to uh, make better, or you think we can make better, or suggestions, please hit us up. And it's been a pleasure to join you, George. Yeah, thank you again. And Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Caleb your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to investopedia.com and check out all the incredible resources that they have to offer. And if somehow you've not, uh, if, if, if you've never actually Googled or binged a, a financial term, you will now notice that Investopedia is always top of the list and for a good reason. Thank you again, Caleb. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.